0: Horror Critic.
1: Good evening, horror fans, and welcome to another episode of Killer Horror Critic. I'm your host, Matt. And
2: I'm Chris.
1: And this is a podcast where my wife and I critique and argue over horror films like a couple of drunks at the bar, so maybe never quite learn anything. Maybe we never enlighten you. Maybe we bug the shit out of you. <laughs> But hopefully you just have a good time listening. So today we are continuing our discussion on the Silent Night, Deadly Night franchise with the fourth film in the series. Yes, there are four. There are five, actually. There are six, actually, if you count the remake. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> And so we are talking about Silent Night, Deadly Night 4, Initiation. Uh, this was directed by Brian Yuzna, who a lot of you probably are familiar with. You know, he worked on... Wa- Worked with Stuart Gordon on a bunch of his movies, including Reanimator. Uh, he himself went on to direct Bride of Reanimator. He also directed Return of the Living Dead 3, The Dentist, uh, Society, which to me is my personal <laughs> no favorite because of just how fucking bonkers that movie is. Of course is. it is. It was written by Zeph E. Daniel, who also wrote or who also worked on the script for Society and Bride of Reanimator. So he's worked with Yosna before. And essentially Initiation is a complete departure from anything (laughs) (laughs) that the Silent Night Daily Night franchise has been about, you know, so if you're familiar with it, the first three films are all about a pair of killer Santas, you know, the first being all about a kid named Billy and then the second and third being about his kid brother, Ricky. And so this is the first one to kind of just completely forget all of that and go for a new change. And so this is about a woman named Kim played by Neith Hunter who is a reporter and she discovers this case about this woman who like spontaneously combusts and it fascinates her so she wants to learn more about it and ends up finding herself involved with like weird homeless men played by Clint Howard, uh, lots of buggy horror occult, you know? (laughs) Like you do. (laughs) Just, just all, the, all the things that go together with Christmas, you know, bugs, Clint Howard, and Colts. Although Colts, <laughs> Colts, I would say, do kind of go, go with Christmas. They kind of go with
2: Christmas. Christmas
1: itself is a bit of a culty celebration. Um,
2: but not Clint Howard.
1: But not Clint Howard is not my first thought when I think of Christmas. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> He's not the Although, present you want under the tree.
1: I, well, actually, no. I would love a Clint Howard <laughs> under the tree. A Clint Howard's great. So.
2: I would not. <laughs> that would be horrified.
1: Uh, what are you? That's me and the Clint Howard. Um, <laughs> he seems like a very
2: nice man, but his horror characters are terrifying, and I would be afraid of him.
1: No, fair enough. Uh, so so we are going to spoil the hell out of this film, so if you haven't seen it, do recommend you check it out first. Before we do that, uh, it is streaming on Shudder. I believe you can also find it on Tubi. Uh, the whole franchise is on Shudder and I believe Tubi, so definitely check it out if you can. If you've been listening to this month and you haven't seen them, <laughs> please, do t- please go do so. But before we get into spoilers, which we'll let you know what we're about to do, we do have our usual spoiler-free content. Unfortunately, as I've been mentioning, we're getting into the end of the year here, so there's a lot less <laughs> <laughs> uh, to talk about as far as releases go. So I actually don't have any new releases for this week that, that I'm excited to bring to you all. So the one thing I will mention is something that I actually released on digital last week which is not a new release, sort of. The extended cut of Halloween Kills came out last week on digital. And now I know you all heard Chris and I talk about this when the movie came out. We both Mm -hmm. were not fans of it. And I will still say that I have plenty of problems with it. Um, But you're
2: starting to swing the other way, aren't you?
1: I'm swinging the other way as far as this, you know. No, 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 not (laughs) Judas. It's still one of my least favorite Halloween movies, but, but... but but I wanna but I wanna say this about it is that, you know, it took a step back, a- as I like to do with these things. Look, it's time is healing, alright? Time heals all. So
2: <laughs> that's also so, a lot more objective about these things.
1: I can be. I can be. <laughs> but but look, time heals all and, and something that I love to do is anytime that I watch a film that I really don't like. I always like to try to go back some time later and revisit it to w- once my expectations are in check, you know, and, and, uh, and I kind of have a little bit more better of an idea of what I'm getting into with the movie and can appreciate it more for what it is. You know, I always like to do that and I find that nine times out of 10, I usually do walk away with it appreciating the film a little bit more, if not a lot more. And Halloween kills, you know, I ended up participating in a watch party with it. Uh, with Bloomhouse and Universal and a bunch of the stars and cast, and it was, it that part of it was really fun. But but watching the extended cut, you know, I just had a great time with it. It's it's a little bit bloodier uh, than Ooh. the original. It's got some extra fun footage in it. Uh, the ending's a lot more vicious, oh. <laughs> um, which it was already kind of vicious. But but in watching it, you know, just revisiting it, I just found myself being like, you know what, it's a dumb movie. Like it's dumb <laughs> as fuck. <laughs> Uh, the, the plot is like non-existent. Uh, I hate that the fat, I hate that our main character that we follow is a fucking mob, you know? (laughs) Uh, like, like there's a lot of things I don't love about it, but at the end of the day, it's a fun movie. Like watching it again, it's a fun, silly movie. And I think that, I think that if you watch it, like, uh, like I, I forget who pointed this out to me, but. Someone I was talking to said it kind of reminds him of, like, you know, uh, Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives. And while I actually love Jason Lives Rude. and think that that's a great movie, I do think that you have to approach Halloween Kills in a similar way, which is to approach it as a horror comedy. You know, so so watch it like Jason X. Watch it like Jason Lives. Something like that. You know, watch it watch it like Freddy's Dead, although everyone hates that one, too. but But just go if if you hated halloween kills go back watch it and watch it like the horror comedy that it is because that's really what it is it's a horror comedy and and it's not it's not very good about being that (laughs) at times but but it is it is overall just fun i love all the uh references in it i think it pays maybe a little too much fan service and that's kind of all it is at the end of the day but i i think it's a more fun time than i gave it credit for initially so
2: (laughs) what an adult thing of you
1: Listen, I know (laughs) I'm
2: saying that I'm proud of you.
1: No, no, I know. But but listen, in this business, like, I think you have to, you know, I I don't respect critics who cannot admit when they were wrong, you know. And and so me looking back on this, it's like, look, is it great? No, I still stand by that. But if I revisit it and I find that, you know, it works a lot better than I thought it did initially, I'm going to say so. Like, I'm not you got to be able to admit when (laughs) when you were wrong on these (laughs) things, you know, so. So anyway, so yes, Halloween Kills, extended cut. It's on digital now. I believe it comes out on Blu-ray in January. I do think it's worth picking up if you really like the movie. I think the additional footage is is worth it uh, for the most part if you're into that kind of stuff. But anyway, uh, so that's what I got for releases this week. So again, <laughs> not much. Uh, one other thing that we, we like to do before getting the spoilers here is every week on our Twitter at Killer Critics. We like to put up a poll just kind of getting your thoughts and feelings on the film we're discussing and what you think of it. So between love it, it's fine, don't like it, and never seen it, where do you think the audience falls on Silent Night Deadly Night 4?
2: Obviously I've never seen it. I don't I don't know if anybody's really seen this like culty Christmas movie.
1: Wait, you don't think anybody's seen this totally obscure <laughs> fourth sequel in a franchise <laughs> directed <laughs> by Brian Yusena.
2: <laughs> that people barely follow anyways. Yeah, no.
1: Yeah, so so you are absolutely correct. Uh so Love It was thirteen point six percent, it's fine is sixteen point nine percent. Don't like it is five point one percent and never seen it is a whopping sixty four point four <laughs> percent. So again, this is another one of those polls I'm not really too surprised by, no. you know, I, I didn't expect Love It to win in any case, no. but <laughs> Uh but yeah, it is widely underseen, which but but I will say me personally I, I fall on a it's fine scale where <laughs> where like it's not a film that I love. There it's a very grotesque movie in a lot of ways. Yep. But but I do think that it's a really interesting fourth film in this franchise because not only is it unlike all Anything? of the others, I mean not <laughs> only is it completely unlike all the others, but but I, I think Brian Yuzna has a really unique style to himself, you know, where if yes. you if you watch his work, like, the way I think of Brian Yuzna's movies is, you know, horny as hell and yes. sweaty and, yep. and just as weird as can possibly be, yep. you know. And, and that's what you get with Yuzna, and that's what you get with initiation. So, like, you know, if you're into his work, I do think it's really worth seeing. Uh, it's just not gonna be a movie for everybody, like all of like all of Yusna's <laughs> movies, you know, Society, Bride of Reanimator, Return of Leaving Dead Three Like I, the dentist is probably his most widely appreciated, you know. But but all, all of his work is just so just kind of bizarre and horny and and gross.
2: (laughs) I'm not gonna lie, the moment that you went through like his body of work, since I have a tendency to not really follow directors and stuff like that, the moment that you told me his other movies, it all made sense. This movie makes so much more sense once you know his other films.
1: Oh I mean especially Society, which this shares a lot with and we'll get into that. But uh so so along with the poll, we always like to get your comments as well and what you all think of it. So these are all from Twitter uh, and we always do about three to five of these. So if you want to skip ahead, usually about ten minutes, you can do that. But so first up is at Narcotic Casser One. So that's N-A-R-C-O-T-I-C C-A-S-S-E-R, and then the number one. And they say give credit to Brian Yuzna for thinking beyond the norm story wise and being so accommodating to Screaming Mad George for some wild effects but it's not exactly a Christmas horror story, so by extension, why is it a Silent Night, Deadly Night movie?
2: <laughs> that is exactly my question. Like, you know, this is, it is an interesting film. It's definitely not for everyone, and honestly, I feel the same way kind of about this film that I feel about a lot of Cronenberg films. They are not my jam. That doesn't oh, make God, them bad. Cronenberg's
1: such a genius, though.
2: <laughs> he is, and I'm not saying that this isn't necessarily a...
1: Honestly, no, 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 I can't I even it. say
2: if this is a well-made film because it's so not my jam. No, no, no look,
1: I get it. I mean, look, I, I think I think Cronenberg and, and even Yozna, I think they're both brilliant, but yes. they definitely make movies that are not for the mainstream. So if you're not, you know, it, it's a very particular audience they're going for, and neither of them really seems to give a fuck <laughs> if you fit into that category or not. You know, they're 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 out there making their movies, and they really don't, you know, neither of them is ever really making a film, I think, to appeal to a uh, no. general audience
2: no and you have to respect them for that that is really cool to kind of see but i want him to explain how this is a christmas film i want him well, to tell me how he <laughs> sees this as a christmas film
1: so i mean i actually so so we'll get into this as we go i what? can i can actually see how this is a christmas movie we'll get there is we'll it get the bugs no we'll get <laughs> a little no we'll get we'll get there but but look it, it, to answer both your question and narcotic caster one's question you know Uh, I don't have a good reason for why it doesn't really involve the rest (laughs) of the franchise, but all I can say is it's my understanding that, you know, the producers behind the franchise, I mean, uh, look at it this way, you know, you have part one, which is, uh, I don't necessarily want to call it a hit, it became more of like a cult hit because it kind of found it's following, you know, on VHS and and on TV since it was pulled from theaters <laughs> after like two or three weeks by, you know, fucking christians. Um, but <laughs> Goddamn christians. Uh, but but you know, then you get part 2 and part 3, neither of which was a success as far as i can remember. <laughs> and, and and i think that the producers, you know, they they were trying to breathe fresh life into it. They were trying to do something different, you know. So it's to me it's kind of the it's the same sort of story as something, you know, like Halloween three, where Halloween really? three was very similar because, you know, after Halloween, look, we, I think it's funny sometimes when we look at the fact that we have like, God, what is it now? Like 10, 12 Michael Myers movies, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, by part two, they were already kind of like, all right, we're done with this, <laughs> you know? And, and, and they wanted to do something else, you know, mm-hmm. they didn't want to do another Michael Myers movie. And so And that's where, you know, Halloween 3 came around from. And so this was kind of similar. You know, you've done done three movies with Billy and Ricky, and I think they just got to the point where they're like, you know what, we don't really know what else to do with the fucking Killer Santa shit, you know? (laughs) So so we're going to do something a little bit different. And I kind of love that, because that also opened up the doors for Part 5, and, you know, the Silent Night Deadly Night franchise kind of becomes like... You know it's got it's got the whole fran the franchise as a whole has a little something for everybody like you know you've got you've got your actual solid slasher and silent night deadly night you have your fucking bonkers makes no sense whatsoever uh sequel in part two you have your weird like gothic horror just bullshit part three you know uh, you've got fucking bugs and cults in part four, <laughs> and then five is like killer toys and robots, you know? So I'm like, so
2: excited for part five. You're
1: going to love part five. You're going to be very happy for part five after this, since I know you hated four. <laughs> <laughs> but look, so that's so that's kind of what happened there, is they, they were going for something to kind of breathe fresh life into the franchise, and ultimately the script for part four ended up being kind of scraps left over from... Uh, from the script that was originally written for part three, before that was dismissed by producers, and then there's also a bit of leftover bits from the society script uh since yeah. the writer also wrote that, which made this into it. Society came out after this, but th- you know it was written before this, so <laughs> you can
2: definitely tell that this is a movie made up of scraps. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> it does not it does not feel like a fully coherent script. Yeah. It, it it is 100% just like bits and pieces melded together, right? So, <laughs> um but anyway, so thank you at Narcoticaster1 for your comment. Appreciate it. Uh oh, and I didn't mention, yes, the effects are incredible. I'm definitely going to talk more about that <laughs> as we go. Uh next up is a comment from at The Sean G. So that's the S H A W N G and they say this movie to me is when the franchise really goes off the rails. It is so bonkers and is the furthest in the series from Christmas horror. The holiday has no tie-in at all. The only reminders we get that it's Christmas are the very brief scenes with Hank's family.
2: <laughs> okay, this is the one where it goes off the rails? It took till four? Because I, I, I mean, think I, number I, two I, went I, off the fucking rails. I mean, I would I would
1: definitely, <laughs> to, to, to your and Sean's point, I would definitely argue part two is probably... Where it goes off the rails, but but I but I do see where they're coming from in that this is the point in the franchise where they're just like I don't fucking know anymore. Yeah, they're just Kill, like, killer Santas, it. bugs. I don't. Who cares? <laughs> like we're just making movies at this point.
2: <laughs> I feel like it's the weird thing for me that like a lot of the Silent Night, Deadly Night films kind of just barely feel like Christmas films after number one. Just oh like, yeah, yeah. Because the, there's almost never any snow. You almost never see Christmas decorations. Well, well
1: part, well, part two and three take place. Well, act part two, three and four, and I maybe five, all take place entirely in L.A. I think yeah. so.
2: It's very <laughs> difficult to shoot a Christmas movie in L.A. We have nothing here.
1: Yeah, I mean, we where Chris and I live right now, we have like one house near us with Christmas decorations and that's it. So
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> or we're a society of heathens over here in Los Angeles. <laughs> no religion.
2: <laughs> None whatsoever.
1: Bunch of atheists. <laughs> anyway.
2: Oh, uh, yeah, for me, yeah, this one definitely goes off the rails. I do wish that they had tied it a little bit more, not necessarily into Christmas, but, like, they do bring up points referencing the the time of year. And I wish that they tied more into that. But to your point, it's a movie made out of scraps. What can you do? Listen,
1: there's Christmas trees. There's Christmas lights. There's a Christmas tree. No, there's there's the whole Christmas scene in Hank's family. And then there's... There's the Christmas tree on top of the building where a lot of the movie takes place at. (laughs)
2: That's a Christmas tree?
1: It's a Christmas decoration, you know. There's one.
2: There's one Christmas decoration.
1: No, 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 no. Remember, there's, like, this, like, giant setup with lights to kind of form, like, a tree made out of lights.
2: I love the fact that then that means that if we count the Christmas tree from the family scene and the one on the roof, it equals the number of menorahs we also see because there's two menorahs in the movie.
1: All right. Um... (laughs) Don't say about that. Uh, but no, yeah, I, you know, yes, the, the the film has very little to nothing to do with Christmas. Uh, I, I am going to make some points probably about how I think it kind of relates to the holiday when we get in the spoilers. But yeah, no, I mean, again, the Sean G's point, it's it's not a Christmas movie. I mean, it is a Christmas movie, but it's very much not, not. a Christmas movie, uh, which is interesting for, for being in this franchise, which is supposed to be all about A killer Santa. uh, Horror on Christmas, you know? (laughs) uh, But anyway, thank you at the Sean G for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh, And then lastly is a comment from at Schwieg writes. So that's S-C-H-W-E-I-G-W-R-I-T-E-S. And they say, my least favorite of the franchise, except for maybe the 2012 remake. Not Christmassy at all, and I'm not personally a fan of director Brian Yuzna. (laughs) Maybe you. maybe you and Chris can Thank agree you. on this one. <laughs> yeah,
2: this is I mean, I can't fully say because I haven't seen number five yet and I feel like it's been a while since we've seen the remake. Oh,
1: this will be your least favorite.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty solid and this is not my favorite, but I think it's also something that Um, I have a very specific taste when it comes to horror movies sometimes, and this one is more in the
1: Not grotesque.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I don't like super grotesque movies. I don't like super body horror movies. And this has that kind of stuff in spades. So it's somebody's Christmas film, just not mine. There's not enough blood either. More blood.
1: It's more grossness and less blood, yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) uh, So... So, like I was saying before, you know, I, I totally get why some people are just not a fan of Brian Yuzna. He makes, a, like I a, get, like I said, a very particular uh, taste in film. That if it's not your flavor, uh, <laughs> it's really just, not your flavor. If it's not your flavor, you're spitting it up, and you just want to like go vomit in the bathroom. You know, like that's kind of the effect I think his movies have on you if you're not, if you're not into what Brian Yuzna is serving up, right? So
2: yes. So
1: no, I totally get that. The the one point I will make is you know not not to disagree with you Shrig uh but I will say that I actually kind of like the Silent Night remake uh you know I revisited it God probably last year actually now that I think about it um <laughs> so it's been a year but uh, I did revisit it after initially not liking it when it released and I, I enjoyed it a lot more because again it's one of those where I I started to look at it more like. Okay, this movie is doing two things. Where if you watch the Silent Night remake, it's it's trying to capture the sort of gruesomeness of the original, you know. So so there are a lot of things in it that are off putting, you know. It it, there there's some pretty uncomfortable moments in it. Uh, It came around this period where you know I I think horror was trying to go hard, you know, and (laughs) and and it didn't always work, but 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 it's trying to do that but at the same time it is also very over the top it's very kind of comedic I think in the way that's presented so so when you look at it it's like is it scary nah is it is it great no but but it is kind of for me at least it it does what I think it sets out to do and it's ultimately entertaining for that um but I mean yeah of course is it as good as the original absolutely not you know
2: they almost never are
1: they almost never are It's, it's a very hard title to get um but anyway, so thank you at Schwieg Writes for the comment. Really appreciate it. All right, and then so one last thing we'd like to do before we move into spoilers is the tagline versus the film, what we think of it overall. So the tagline for Silent Night, Deadly Night 4 was, And if I die before I wake, thank you. what so what do you think that that makes
2: even less sense than all the other ones so
1: what do you think of the tagline what do you think of silent night deadly night 4 overall
2: bad tagline (laughs) bad tagline makes no sense makes no sense with the movie
1: it feels like it's trying to be like uh like in line with nightmare on elm street but it literally has nothing to do with the movie (laughs) you know
2: this is what i would be saying to myself as i was watching the film if i fell asleep Oh. <laughs> Just thank you. Thank I you. Died while I'm watching done. This. I'm done with this movie. I don't have to watch it anymore.
1: <laughs> Just like it's no, like so. I usually don't like to spend this much time on the tagline because it's really about what we think of the movie. But, but yeah, no. I mean, it's such a ridiculous tagline because it's like, you know, so c- considering that the film's all about like like feminine power and stuff like mm-hmm. that, right? I I almost sort of read this as like as like a woman saying it, right? And this is going to mm-hmm. sound terrible. But I almost sort of read it as like a woman saying who's just like, fuck this stupid society. I am so done with men. If I fucking die before I wake up, just thank God, you know, I can't take it anymore.
2: You know, as a woman, I can relate to that sentiment. So you're not probably that far off.
1: Yeah. I mean, I was going to say it's a a sentiment that I kind of get. Yeah. Uh,
2: Yeah. Personally, for me, we've touched on it. This is not my type of movie. Now, that's not necessarily saying I do think this movie is a hot mess. It's a hot mess. Oh, it's just, a mess. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not going to
1: defend it on that regards. It's a mess.
2: <laughs> yeah, the the plot's a mess. The acting's a mess. There's just it's just shit everywhere. <laughs> but you know, Brian Yezna is a talented filmmaker. I at least can see that, even if it's not for me you know, he does have a way with storytelling that does get his vision across and that's commendable. Having said that, I never wanna watch this fucking movie again. <laughs> I'm done. I don't wanna watch it. I mean it's gross. <laughs> it makes me feel gross and it makes me hate my own kind. <laughs> Fair enough.
1: Uh so I guess so we don't really know how Chris feels about it. I guess we'll have to <laughs> we'll have to wait until we get in the spoilers to really get a true read on her view of the movie um no so so look I, uh the thing I'll say is that it's funny to me because you know Yuzna is actually probably the most talented filmmaker to make a movie in this franchise yes like, you know it's I, the worst you know so so the thing is like look you know whether or not you like his movies and what you know there there are all kinds of filmmakers that that do this where they they do have their very specific type of movie that they make right Mm -hmm. and and just like any art it's going to be for some people and not for others and that's totally fine and with with yuzna you know the thing about him is that i do i i will always like filmmakers that have that uh sort of particular style or brand of movie that they do uh, because they they stand out more to me, you know. They, they, it feels like they do have like more of a vision for the kind of things that they want to do, and so Yuzna is one of those creators for me where it's like y- you know a Brian Yuzna movie when you watch it, you know, mm-hmm. like you, when you <laughs> yes. watch like it, like if you didn't know who directed Society, you probably know who directed Society, and if you've seen Society and you watch Initiation for the first time and you don't know who directed it, you can be like. That feels a lot like society. That was probably Brian yesterday, you know. Absolutely. Uh, so, so I do think he's the most talented filmmaker to have worked in the franchise, and I think that it's only because of him that Silent Night Deadly Night Four is even barely competent, you know. <laughs> but, but it, but it is a film that I think is really interesting. I think it's got a lot of kind of intriguing ideas behind it that we're gonna get into, and, and I also just have to say, like the fucking cast in this movie is again. Probably, you know, I- I'm not sure the franchise deserves this four sequels <laughs> in, but I mean, you got fucking Clint Howard, you know, who we all love and adore from like Ice Cream Man or Ticks, which I think was probably the first movie I saw him in. Evil Speak, you know, he- he's been the guy's been in so many movies, uh, but you've got him, you've got uh, Reggie Bannister shows up in this, you know, who is in all the Phantasm films uh although he he's very underused i wish he was in more of this movie and then you know one of the leaders of the cult or whatever is uh named Fema played by Maud Adams fucking octopusy from octopusy <laughs> a fucking bond girl you know is is in this movie so like so I, i'm just i'm just very impressed with what Yuzna was able to pull together for silent night deadly night 4 mm-hmm. you know considering the cast and the effects and and all that although i know you would disagree on kim levita's as, as or I know you would disagree as Neath Hunter as Kim Levitt. But she shouts <laughs> the entire movie. Uh, it's not, it's not, it's not the best lead performance of the franchise. But again, this, but again, this is a franchise that's not really great with lead performances. That is
2: also very fair. <laughs>
1: Outside of uh, I forget his name, but the guy who played Billy in the first one. So, um, but anyway, so we're about to move into spoilers. So again, if you have not seen Silent Night Deadly Night four, please do, please go do so. Uh, it is streaming on Shudder. You can also find it on Tubi, I believe. So check it out there. Otherwise, we're getting the spoilers. So so I want to start off with basically just the uh, kind of opening of the movie. Uh, and again, we're in spoilers here. Kind of the opening of the film, which is this woman who spontaneously combusts uh, that we end up learning is was the daughter of FEMA. And so just jumping off here with like, you know, what what do you think of the fact that that the punishment if you want to call that or the effect whatever Mm -hmm. of of not being able to handle becoming part of this feminine cult is that you spontaneously combust like that's (laughs) just what happens you don't you don't nothing else happens you don't you don't get beheaded you don't uh, explode into fairy dust you spontaneously combust so like why is that what
2: happens (laughs) Oh, well, I I think for that you have to really look at what part of their body burns because it's not that they spontaneously combust because then their entire body would burn, right?
1: But their entire body does burn.
2: No, no, no. It only burns up to a certain point. FEMA at the end she starts completely on fire because she's full of hate and terrible. But the daughter in the beginning she just burns up into the waist.
1: So only her legs were hateful. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they burn out her uterus.
1: Well, yeah, no, they take I take her.
2: They. I mean that's the thing for me with it is like it's such a like you know bitchy feminist cult move of like you can't follow our our rules you don't believe in our mindset we're taking back your womb you don't deserve this anymore it's it's really kind of like intense and weird but that's kind of the thing for me with this movie is this cult is very interesting because to your point they they keep kind of pushing this like you know she wasn't strong enough she couldn't survive the change and it's basically these girls basically saying if you don't believe what we believe we don't think you deserve to like have the power of being a woman anymore which is really fucking harsh uh, it's
1: pretty fucked up you know <laughs> i so so like look realistically i think mm-hmm. that i think that there's a flaw in that only because i think that that's more I think that that's more a mistake on the film's part in continuity. <laughs> that because, they just
2: forgot to burn her whole body.
1: Well, because the opening shot is her entire body on fire, and then mm-hmm. you cut to her dead body on the street, and it's half of hers burned away. Yeah. But but I do totally see what you're saying, and look, I think that applies to this movie. So, you know, for those of mm-hmm. you who are still listening who haven't watched it, go watch it, but if you don't care about spoilers, <laughs> um, you know, the, the cult is really, you know, it, it's this cult of women who, which is all about you know, taking back feminine power, or if not taking it back, mm-hmm. letting it loose, you know, and and basically uh destroying the men of the world. Like they're they're very <laughs> yeah. they're very much a fuck men <laughs> sort of cult, right? Yep. And so I, I can definitely see like how that would apply as sort of a punishment is that cause this cult does seem very much like, you know women power and if you are not Willing to engage with that power, mm. then, then yeah, they, then they feel like you don't deserve femininity at all, right? Yeah, if you disagree, and, and, and with in this them. case, and in this case, you're just dead. You don't even get a, <laughs> you don't even get to be alive, you're right? Dead <laughs> so, to us. So, so I think that definitely plays into it. for For me, I found spontaneous combustion interesting for a couple of reasons. first off, I'll just say that, you know, one of the really fun things about just kind of like going through the history of the genre is that. As we all know, the, the genre tends to kind of represent, like, our greatest fears at the time, you know, or, or like, upheavals in society and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and we also run across different fascinations, you know. So the 80s was th- – there were two things that we became completely enamored with <laughs> uh, for a little bit. And one was telekinesis. You know, and and you saw that through like Carrie and Firestarter and Scanners and all those movies. Mm-hmm. And another one that was less seen, but did become a little bit popular in the late '80s and early '90s was spontaneous combustion. And it, th- there's even a movie called Spontaneous Combustion, <laughs> uh, which stars Brad Dorif. Actually, and was directed what? by and was directed by Toby Hooper. So like, who, who did Texas Chainsaw? You know, so I, I do recommend checking that out if you've never seen it. Uh, kind of one of his more obscure movies but uh but it was kind of a popular topic even though it's been even though it's this concept that's been around since like uh, 1600s or 1700s, something like that uh so I'm not exactly sure what sparked our interest around this time but but it did and anyway in in terms of how it applies to this movie you know I sort of look at the idea of spontaneous combustion as being consumed by hatred right okay. and uh, well, if, yeah. if not consumed by hatred, uh, overtaken by some kind of rage, or you know, you could look at it as being consumed by fear, but but I really do see like rage and hate in it. Mm-hmm. So I guess when I look at the spontaneous combustion thing, I sort of look at it as uh, separating it from the cult and separating it as like an idea of punishment. I sort of look at it more as like the uh, related to the theme of the movie overall, which again is very much like, anti-dick right yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh and 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 when i look at that and how the film touches so heavily on you know sexism in the workplace and stuff like that uh and, and finding that kind of feminine dominance mm-hmm. i sort of see the spontaneous combustion element and being consumed by fire basically being this idea of like if you're a woman who cannot and, and again i don't mean to offend women listening to this so please don't <laughs> think it that way but but in terms of what i think the film is saying is that not what i believe but what the film is saying is that if you if you're a woman who cannot control your rage and anger towards the other sex or or whatever mm-hmm. then it ultimately just ends up consuming you you know so it's almost kind of like it's almost kind of like a warning in and of itself since the film is kind of like anti extreme feminism mm-hmm. you know or toxic feminism that it's sort of like saying like hey you know every right to be angry but if you let it consume you mm-hmm. you know it will destroy you and i think that's kind of what is being said here is so like so like when they're saying when they're saying that these women were too too weak for the power mm-hmm. i think part of what they're kind of saying there is that they could not control the anger and the rage they could not contain it basically
2: (laughs) oh see i feel differently about it yeah um well so for the sole reason that i think that you're right like the flames represent you know a hatred and a rage and especially a hatred and a rage towards the world around them and all that kind of stuff but i don't think it's the women who are burning who are getting consumed with those with those flames because it's a punishment thing you know going back to kind of what you said before this is a cult that's very strict you follow their rules it's you know their way or the highway well it's their way or they light you on fucking fire and I I think that's more it is that you know with this cult it does kind of like present this this concept of you know toxic feminism which is a thing where it's so focused on stuff I consider it like level one feminism, where you're just mad at <laughs> you're just mad at men. You're li-
1: Be- beginner's feminism, <laughs> exactly,
2: and it's where all of us start. All of us start because you know we get more aware of like how unequal and these things that we deal with, and we just get fucking mad, and that's mm. totally justified and totally like understandable. But when you just stay at that level where you're just mad at men, and you don't realize that feminism is about lifting everybody up, and you get to like that intersexual then like you know you've stalled out and i feel like that's where this cult is well no well no
1: but again but that's my point so like if if, i think if you look like Mm -hmm. again you have to separate the spontaneous combustion from the cult Mm -hmm. and and look at it more as related to the theme of the movie so so for me you know going to your point i just sort of see it like you know what like kim kim is a prime example of of a woman that's kind of falling into that trap of toxic femininity, right? Mm-hmm. Who she's gotten to a point where like, she, she fucking hates men, you know, <laughs> like she, and look, I don't blame her. Men yeah. fucking suck, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> especially in this society. Um, uh, So, so like I understand her, but at the same time, she, she has let it get to a point where it is taking her over, you know, like mm-hmm. it's almost, it's almost like it's all she kind of contends with and thinks about to the point where she, is dressing like a man, you know, because she, because she thinks that that's what she has to do to get ahead is, is to dress like a man and express this masculinity. Whereas the cult themselves is all about, you know, finding your femininity. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, so I do sort of see, you know, the fact that Kim is kind of being, you know, overtaken by the spontaneous combustion briefly Mm -hmm. as, as sort of touching on like, yeah, no, she, she is this woman who has crossed into this, uh, onto the other side of like it's become more than just a uh, more than just feminism and it's become pure hatred, right? And mm-hmm. so, so, I, and that's why it starts to consume her until she kind of gives in to what she needs to do, you know. Mm-hmm. And and it's why I also think that you end up having. Uh, the FEMA end up spontaneously combusting when Kim shoves her fucking <laughs> you know society candle wig hands her candle wig hands into <laughs> into FEMA in the end, which makes no sense. But uh, but but it's why I sort of see her spontaneously combusting there because it's almost like uh, sort of solidifying the idea of like FEMA is that exact woman who actually is weak because she's made her whole life about you know, the the destruction of men yes. rather than the lifting up of women. So. Ex- exactly.
2: I definitely agree with that. And I definitely no. agree that, um, you know, Kim is at this place where she is in that moment where she's realizing all these pressures that are on her. Like, that's what I view the constant symbolism kind of of the bugs that we see in everything. Because that's what this movie does a lot. It's equating men to, like, bugs and stuff like that. And so I kind of see that as um. You know, Kim sees more and more bugs the more time she spends with the cult and stuff like that. And I think that that's kind of, you know, symbolic of her eyes really opening and her really being aware of all of these pressures and things like that that she's always kind of known about but hasn't Mm. really had, like, a word for or anything like that. And that's why I feel like, you know, we're seeing all these bugs just constantly there. But, you know, the cult's also using bugs to terrorize Kim. Mm. With this, because like you know there's there's this whole ritual where they like they drug her, they <laughs> fucking drug her, draw stuff on her, shove a bug into her stomach, and then as make you do as you do, and then makes her puke up a bug, saying like this is a symbol of your hatred, and I'm like, no, no, my symbol of my hatred but, is is not gonna be a cult drugging me,
1: but see, but see, they're not necessarily. <sighs> I I don't even know that you can say the cult is necessarily terrorizing her with bugs because I, I, I don't think that that is – I don't think that that's the point – She's no, a no. bug in her. Well, yeah, look, is she being terrorized? Absolutely, but I don't I don't think that that's the cult's intention. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think that the cult actually intends that because the cult is so up their own asses that they don't They are up their own asses. Their, he, their heads are so up their asses they, they think that their farts smell great, you know. Like they <laughs> they're they're so far beyond what they're actually doing that I think mm-hmm. that the cult actually believes that they're helping Kim. You know, so
2: Yeah, if a cult ever want to help help me like that they can stay the fuck away
1: <laughs> well that's most cults chris you know i would i would I would tend to not recommend joining cults you know so <laughs> that's just me personally um no
2: one's with kool-aid are fine
1: no they're not <laughs> they're the worst uh that's the worst kind of goal uh no so the so i mean the thing i'll say about the bugs is that uh, first of all you know uh, incredible effects by screaming mad george of this movie oh, like yeah. the <laughs> the The bugs, the body horror, all of it is just horribly sickening isn't he is <laughs>
2: screaming mad George? yes, it is I love that so much
1: he's great, uh and he also did the effects for society, if I remember right so um so 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 no, that's all great, but look in terms of the how it works with the movie so. I mean, look, I, I think that the idea of comparing men to to parasites and bugs first off is apt. I mean, like it's very
2: accurate. No offense, my love.
1: No, it's OK. I mean, look, I, I take it beyond that, though, because I'm a we all suck kind of person. So so like I, I just think the human race is fucking, you know, insect parasites like yeah. I, I that's how I've always viewed us. But in particular, like, yeah, you know, the the men in this movie and the insects, they they play this dual role where they are kind of what's terrorizing Kim, right? As you said, like, again, I don't think that's the intention of the cult. They're not this cult that's like, you must fear everything before you can become woman. You know, like, that's that's not exactly what they're going for. But
2: they just want to ramp up her fear and hatred of men.
1: Right, so so again, I'm not exactly sure that terrorizing is the point, but but it is this idea of like, you know, when you look at the bugs, it it's interpretive of, or it's it's a metaphor for like Kim losing her goddamn mind, you know, yes. and, and Kim, and and Kim losing her mind in this world that is run by men. Like that's mm-hmm. kind of the point is that, like you said, the we meet her as this woman who, you know probably understands uh Mm -hmm. the the world that she's in she makes a comment very early on when she doesn't get the story that she wants that if you don't have a dick in this world you don't get anything right or in that office Mm -hmm. and so so she's not unaware of it but this film it's really a representative of like you know a, a a woman's decline in just being consumed by this combination of like fear and hate and Discussed over kind of where women are placed in society by men, right? Mm-hmm. And and I'm sorry, this is such a like deep or dark episode, <laughs> but like, <laughs> um, but but that's what she's going through. That's what it's all about, you know. Mm-hmm. So so the more that she starts to experience, let's say shitty things with the pen in her life, mm-hmm. the the greater that the uh, that the bug experiences become, you know. So it's like. Yeah. So she goes through things in this film where she gets denied the job that she wants or, you know, her boyfriend Hank played by Tommy Hinckley ain't exactly living up to the status that she would like. Right. Or, you know, like she she's constantly being betrayed by men in her life. And the more that that builds up, the more that these bugs are kind of infesting her life, you know. So so if you look at it that way, like, you know, it's kind of like it's kind of like people that go insane, like, look, you don't you don't just wake up. One day, and you're completely crazy. You know, like
2: it's (laughs) it's a slow process.
1: It's a slow process. It's a slog. You know, it takes years sometimes. It's a it's a slow process. Doesn't just happen overnight. And so, you know, so if you think about that in the sense of like, it's constantly described as Kim's fear is men. And Mm -hmm. so, if you just if you think about it that way, it's her fear overtaking her more and more and more. Where it's like men and her fear of them and her hatred of them is becoming so prevalent in her life that it's literally become like an infestation of her mind, you know, where, yeah. where it's like fucking cockroaches and, <laughs> and squirmy bugs, just like all over the place, you know, she can't escape them. They're, they're in her fucking cereal box. Like, <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, look, and I honestly, I feel like it's a very relatable po That's a very relatable feeling to a lot of women, especially women who like come into feminism a little bit later, because you went through that with me where it was just kind of like me slowly waking up being like, is this not okay? Should I not be dealing with this stuff? I'm fucking pissed now. (laughs) And there was like, what, like six months of me just being a rage monster?
1: (laughs) Right. And and that's something we got to understand. Like, look, I mean, I can't, (laughs) I'm not a woman. I can't speak to like how long, you know, feminism's been in circles and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But like, uh, I mean, I have to imagine that women have always wanted equality. So I can't, so I'd I'd have to think that feminism's (laughs) been around a long time. But you know but, but i don't i don't, I don't know that the actual idea of feminism started to become popularized until like the seventies right or or something around that time yeah. and and so even in the nineties the idea of you know this extreme feminism was still kind of new so like your generation you know 'cause because, like, like my mom's different, like mm. my mom kinda you know she she went through it and it sucked and you know but but she's not she's not on the same level of like I hate everything about men, but this generation kind of. Woke up one day and it was like, "Hey, this shit fucking sucks," yes. you know. <laughs> <laughs> and yes. so, and so we were kind of the generation where you see a lot of this very kind of early stages of just fuck men, and there's mm-hmm. no, and, and you know, a lot of us haven't like quite moved beyond that yet. So. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, well, and that's why for me, that's you know, kind of going a little bit back to like the combustion thing, just for a brief second, um that's why for me I don't view the combustion as the girl necessarily being consumed by you know this rage and fear because usually our our two main girls Kim and then the daughter who we never actually meet they both start on fire because they don't want to sacrifice somebody to get their own power which I think is a very interesting thing because like Kim does not want to sacrifice a 15 year old boy she doesn't want to kill a 15-year-old boy to, like, get her power. And I really think that that's what stepping to the next, you know, level of feminism is, is realizing that we can't sacrifice other people in our society to, like, gain our own power independence, you know? Like, it's its this thing for me that, like, you know, again, like, level one feminism is I fucking hate men. And then I feel like you get to the next step where you're just like, oh, They're in it, in this shit just as much as I am. Like, they Mm. got fucked up in their own way. And I can't just keep saying, I hate men, fuck men, and, like, killing them to get your own power because that helps nobody. Yeah, so that's what really makes me question, like, what is the the cult's motivation with all this stuff just because, you know, FEMA, our, our head of this, keeps saying that it's about, you know, Kim getting her own power. But really, she's just obsessed with getting her daughter back. Who she kind of murdered in the beginning.
1: Yeah, I mean, so that that's why, you know, that's kind of where I think this movie's really interesting, is that you know, I this this is the kind of for this reason, this is the kind of film where I feel like you could not make it today. And <laughs> the reason being, like, I, I think that if Brian Yuzna was to release this film now, considering the culture we live in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You cannot talk bad about feminism. No, <laughs> you cannot. You cannot. <laughs> and, and, and I don't think that feminism is inherently bad. But I do agree with you that there is such thing as toxic femininity. Yeah. Just like there's toxic masculinity, you know. And I don't think you could release this movie now because you would have all of the toxic feminists that are like, how dare you say yep. anything <laughs> negative about women, you know. Like, yeah. uh but but to me it's and look I get it I, I realize there's a lot of you that are like well you're a man of course you don't mind this and sure that's fine but but when I look at it I, you know I think like man like the guts on <laughs> on Brian Yusna to be like you know what I'm gonna do in 1990 I'm gonna tackle toxic femininity you know and and that's kind of what's happening here is that you know when when you talk about what is what is the point of what the cult's doing. It doesn't have a point, you know, like, like what you're like, what you said, it's, it's, you know, they, they speak all this nonsense about like, Oh, you're, you know, get your power, get your feminism, move beyond men. But really at the end of the day, it's all about just like, you know, fucking FEMA wants her daughter back. And that's, that's really (laughs) all it is, you know? So, so even the cult itself is like misguided and that's kind of the point Mm -hmm. is that the cult is misguided. So like, you know, I, I feel like if this movie was made today, uh, first of all, it would probably be written and directed by a woman, mm-hmm. and second of all, it, the the cult would probably be more positive on femininity, you know, and and kind of looking at it differently. I would hope and, that he would
2: do a cult of turfs because that would be perfect fodder.
1: Well, see, but this is why I like this movie. Is like, mm-hmm. you know, you got you got to talk about stuff that is controversial, and that's yeah. what and that's what horror is best at, you know, and especially like, you know, while I don't think the movie could get made today, I think it would be useful to get made today because it's it it's it is talking about something that needs to be discussed which yeah. is like at, at what point do we go too far well, in yeah. in these ideas right like and, and i i want people to understand like i am saying this as a guy who like i have not had your experience but i get like i've not had the experience of women but i get it you're fucking pissed and i and i i have no I have no objection to that. Like, women have every right to be pissed. Men are dicks, (laughs) and men have been dicks for a very long time. We we have been squirmy little parasitic bugs that that live on you and eat you and consume you, and 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 we've been doing that for a very long time, you know. So like, I so I guess what I'm saying is, I get the anger, I get the frustration, I I understand why so many women in society feel that way
2: mm-hmm.
1: but but a film like initiation is kind of talking about like at what point does it become unhealthy yes to where that's all you think about you mm-hmm. know that's all you care about and 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 at what point is your is your sort of ideal goal lost if your if your true goal is equality and instead you're moving kind of beyond that to where it's like every man must die and the only way that you <laughs> the only way that you become a true woman is by killing the man as as is part of the ritual and initiation <laughs> right
2: i don't want to fucking do that no look i'm a woman and i'm saying we need a movie like this we do. As much as I don't really like this movie because it's gross and the bugs are gross. For sure. You know, this is a very important topic. And I think especially right now with, you know, the rise of turfs and stuff like that, that it is important to talk about the differences between a feminist mentality that kind of does keep us down or limit what we're seeing and the true goals of feminism, which is that we should all have equality. Yeah. Um, and that means don't stab men. <laughs> Well, Unless so they deserve it
1: well, and really back to the cult, you know so this is also like why I think that uh another reason why I think the film's really interesting is that you know so so it's tackling these ideas of kind of confronting toxic femininity right mm-hmm. and it also can and it also confronts sexism in the workplace, you know like like men are not you know free from judgment <laughs> in this film right like it very much goes after both
2: no all and, men are gross in this film.
1: And something I like about Brian Yuzna's work is outside of society, you know, like look at the other movies or look at some of the other films I talked about, uh, Return of the Living Dead 3, Bride of Reanimator. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of those films and this, you know, they, they feature women that, whether or not they're successful in this, women that are supposed to be stronger, women that... Kind of, you know, stand up against ideas with sexism. Like, Brian of Reanimator, for fuck's sake, is all like, <laughs> you are not making an object out of me, right? And, and same with Return of the Living Dead 3, where it's like, you know, you got this badass zombie woman. So, like, <laughs> so that's always been a theme of Yuzna's work. So, I don't think that I can see how this film can be looked at as like anti women. That's not what Yuzna's going for, I don't think. And, you know, when I start to look at like how the cult operates, I just think it's really interesting that he he sort of tackles this idea of, you know, toxic femininity. And it's really drawing a direct comparison to toxic masculinity mm-hmm. because something that the cult ends up doing and, and whether this is a, uh, you know, wh- whether this is a uh, good portrayal or not, you know, whether it's something that you agree with or not is that he, he ends up drawing this comparison where it's like the cult begins to actually act like men, like, like the very thing that they oppose because when oh, you look,
2: you mean be, in the aiding of raping Kim?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, for fuck's sake, you know, <laughs> fucking the, hate that scene. For fuck's sake, the the cult roofies, Kim. Yep. Uh, they let fucking Clint Howard rape her yep. with a fucking dick nose on his face. Right. That is the
2: most uncomfortable scene.
1: Uh, so they're doing all these things like against her will, right? Yep. And and you know, there's no there's no consent in this whatsoever. <laughs> you know, home. the consents out the window. Um, and you and didn't
2: even s- want to be part of this cult. <laughs>
1: She just wanna get a story! Right, Kim just wanted to write about spontaneous combustion, and yeah. fucking FEMA's handing her a book on feminism, you know, and then she starts getting all these wacky feminine
2: ideas in her head. Right? <laughs> okay, you might want well to pull back on that. No,
1: I know, I'm kidding. Um, but but yeah, yeah. What once women start learning, they can have power. That's it. That's the end. Like, no, I'm just kidding. Um, no
2: but, books or dates for women.
1: Yeah, no books. Burn all the feminine books. Um, obviously, I don't believe that. Uh, so <laughs> I feel like these days you have to make clear every time you say something like that. I'm just joking. <laughs> I don't feel that way. Um, but yeah, so you look at all these things that they're doing, and, and I think the point of all that is just how misguided this cult is, and mm-hmm. how, and how they're they're actually mistaken because they've mistaken the things that men do as power. Yes, you know, and, and it's not, it's not power. And, and so you actually start to see some of that through Kim. You know, Kim, this is almost like a werewolf movie, <laughs> where where Kim is like going from feminine to I don't want to say masculine cuz it's not the right word but in her mind she's going to like masculine yeah um again not saying this is right but in Kim's mind it's almost like a werewolf movie where she's transforming from woman to man because <laughs> because you start seeing it in Kim too where <laughs> my fucking one of my favorite scenes just because of how stupid it is is that you you or not stupid but how ridiculous it is is that you have Kim uh go back to her apartment after being you know fucking drugged and raped <laughs> uh you have Ken go back to her apartment and she finds Hank there and he's dressed in like his fucking old man p j s and she says something to him of like, Oh, you look just like a little boy in this you know and, and and she she's basically she's getting super horny off of the fact that she has like control over him, mm-hmm. and she's kind of like she I
2: wants d- to touch him while he's sleeping. <laughs>
1: She wants to touch him while he's sleeping. She likes the the innocence of him being like a little boy, right? She mm-hmm. she basically likes the control and the power, right? Yep. And so, in that sense, she's sort of like embracing kind of toxic masculinity and the idea of you know kind of taking advantage of uh, of this person sexually and mm-hmm. and you know kind of like forcing herself on them, you know. So so it's so it's basically like in in the power that she thinks she's finding, she's actually uh, Becoming—I I don't know the right way to say this—becoming worse. She's actually, yeah. she's actually becoming more of what she hates. You know,
2: <laughs> yeah, she's becoming more, more controlling. All these aspects that she really doesn't like that she sees in other people, she's embodying.
1: Yeah, and I want to make clear: there's nothing wrong with like the underlying theme of it, of, of you know, the the strength and power that she finds in herself sexually. Like, there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that. It's just the way that it's expressed. In the situation and in the movie, you know? Yeah.
2: Well, and especially because, you know, the scene that you're talking about comes at an end of a very long, erratic moment, you know, for Kim, where she is just all over the place. And I think that that really, you know, speaks to what you're saying, where she's kind of struggling with this werewolf transformation. And that's why when she... I like that you've
1: embraced my werewolf. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with
2: it. i go with it. You know, she comes... Look,
1: she was bitten by a bug, and now she's become a man. <laughs> the way of the world.
2: <laughs> she got raped by Ricky, and now she's having a moment. Right. I um, But no, like, she's... Right before that is a very quintessential moment of turmoil for her because she's coming in and, you know, Hank's in her house and she's mad about that. And she wants her key back. And then suddenly she's, you know, downing a whole thing out of pills. And now she's trying to have sex with him. And you're just like, yeah, bitch, just clean up your life. It'll be fine.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, that's such a, oh my God, that scene. I like that <laughs> that right there. I, I think too, is also kind of, I think meant as comedy because it it's reflecting on, just how weak men really are, you Mm -hmm. know, like, and, and what's interesting about the whole thing here, because, you know, I I personally do believe women have more power than men, even though it's not openly, even though it's not openly expressed, I think underneath the surface, that's what it is. And the reason I say that is think about it this way, you know, so if you look at men as insects, right, as Mm -hmm. this movie is, and, and men are just these fucking parasites and cockroaches running around. Well, what is the story with insects? Nine times out of 10 in the insect kingdom, there is generally a queen. Mm-hmm. The queen runs it all, not the king. You know, so or so the, I, the
2: females eat their partners,
1: or the females eat their partners, like praying mantis. Mm-hmm. And so, so I kind of feel like that's part of the bug theme and the bugs relating to men is implying that you know underneath this, underneath the surface where the cockroaches lie <laughs> and and fester, there is a queen that is actually running everything. You know, and so
2: um, we just don't get any credit for it.
1: Well, right, because you're a cult. Uh, so Hi. <laughs> you're you're a cult living <laughs> underneath the sewers of Los Angeles. Um, uh, but but so what I was saying with that is, uh, it's speaking to the weakness of men because yeah, here you have Kim down a whole bottle of pills, you know, and 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 then hey, and then she's trying to get in on with Hank, and Hank is still just kind of like. All right, Right. I guess if you want, you know, like he's not like, hey, now let me call the cops or you know an ambulance or something.
2: To be fair, the thing that you have told me is that everything is about sex.
1: Everything is about sex, and 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 dicks are very fragile, you know. So like
2: (laughs) they are, I could crush it in my hand. No, I don't
1: mean that you could crush it. I mean, I mean that like, (laughs) I I mean that like a fucking I mean, I could though. A fucking yeti could touch my penis, and 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 you're gonna fuck a yeti. No, but I might take a hand job from it if I'm in the mood, you know?
2: <laughs> like I have to worry about my husband getting <laughs> hand jobs from cryptids.
1: I'm just I'm just you're saying a
2: fuck moth man. I'm just
1: saying men are weak. Men are very weak, you know. You know so like Chupacabra? So men are fucking weak. So like, yeah, if a fucking yeti, you know, started giving me a hand job, I mean I might just be like, I don't know, you're a fucking yeti, but fuck man, it feels good. So <laughs> but alright, so beyond hand jobs. So, you know <laughs> Is so, there anything so the,
2: beyond hand jobs?
1: No. So th- this sort of uh kind of ties into, I mean not really, but um one other thing I want to make sure we talk about before we leave is the is the is the power of women being represented by the spiral, you know? So mm-hmm. like the spiral uh is the symbol that ends up playing a huge role in the movie. Like it's it's in the book that she discovers which features Lilith, which by the way Lilith is not mentioned often enough, I think, in movies. I want to see more movies about Lilith. Yeah, she's
2: <laughs> fucking dope. Give me more Lilith.
1: She's fucking dope. Fuck Eve. It was all about Lilith, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Lilith's who I really want to read about and watch movies about. But anyway, um, the spiral is his power. And and I think, you know, I've been trying to think about it. It appears all throughout the movie, and it, is, it begins appearing more and more as Kim becomes more engaged with this cult you know to the point where it's like fucking drawn on the rooftop of the building mm-hmm. where the woman spontaneous combusted in or the bookstore or whatever and uh you know i, I did some research on this and, and apparently like the-, the the symbol of the spiral i mean i think i think obviously kind of represents you know uh the continuation of things mm-hmm. and then it's typically re- representative of like creation and birth and then in some cultures it's even uh supposed to be representative of like wise women or or like you know the 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 wiseness of women you know something like that Mm -hmm. and and i just thought it was interesting and ultimately though i actually kind of also view the spiral as like womb-like
2: yeah (laughs) yeah no it feels very womb-like it is a very common symbol of like you know womanhood and power and stuff like that but what what I think very is very interesting about the use of spiral, especially in this movie, is that we're seeing Kim spiraling. Okay, spiraling. That's, a, that's a
1: good way to look at it. Well,
2: because it's that thing of like a spiral is, you know, it is a thing of power because it's not simple. It's not a simple symbol. It's not like an easy to like access symbol. Like and it's a symbol we see a lot in in terms of like, you know, hypnosis and madness. Like it has all these like other connotations as well. And I think that that's the perfect, you know, kind of representation for what we've been talking about. Like this female cult and feminism and everything like that is that. You know, seeing the complexities of everything is very empowering, especially if you understand it and you're Mm. working towards it, but it can drive you crazy at the same time. And so, you know, recognizing your own power is a double-edged sword. It can either lead you to feel more empowered. Like Kim, when we see her, her most comfortable, you know, she's at the height of her power is when she's dressed both in masculine and feminine clothing. On on the roof, saying exactly what she wants from Hank and getting it, and she's standing on the goddamn spiral. But you know, we also do see her spiral into madness and take a whole bottle of pills, so she's on well, the precipice.
1: Well, look, I mean, I think I think the spiral can be a lot of things. I think the clue is in the opening credits, you mm-hmm. know, because uh,
2: those opening credits are fucking trippy.
1: Well, right, and that's the point, you know. Uh, I think you touched on is like, look, when when you're looking at the spiral obviously in in the view of the cult the spiral is this symbol of power Mm -hmm. and femininity and all that kind of stuff uh but i think in the terms of the film the spiral is more closely related to you know losing your mind uh i think the hypnosis plays in because you know typically women are seen as kind of being like you know that's part of the power is sort of hypnotic and you know can kind of that's
2: what our tits are for
1: Right, you're right. Your <laughs> your nipples are basically spirals that hypnotize men. So, <laughs> we
2: don't even need the. I, the, I think I think we that, don't even need the nipples. I
1: think the aortas have no. You need the nipples. No, I, I'm sorry. Wants
2: does t- my low cleavage dresses not hypnotize you enough?
1: The low cleavage does. I'm just thinking <laughs> like nobody wants to look at Barbie tits. You know, so. <laughs> um, it would just be unnatural for women and men to not have nipples. <laughs> Uh, but
2: <laughs> there's somebody out there with no nipples. who's very sad right now.
1: I'm really sorry to that person. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to say to you. Um, I'm sorry. You don't have nipples. <laughs> I have nipples. Great. Could you milk me? Um, so, uh, uh, but what the hell am I even saying now? Um, yeah. Or is it hypnotic? Uh, no. So, so women, women, yeah. So no women, women have that sort of hypnotic factor. So like t- to me, the spiral, it, it's a, it's a double-edged, or not a it, it's a dual representation of like mm-hmm. it, it represents both the uh the the downward spiral of kim but also kind of the power that she's seeking or the power that she has that she's learning to embrace which is mm-hmm. that kind of hypnotic element right because you know something we, we, we haven't really touched on in the film is like the sexuality of it which is that you know kind of what's being uh pointed out here over and over and over again in in uh initiation is that you know there, there's an element of power through sex you know there's an element of of uh power through your sexuality and, you. and, and who's I, on top well right and who's on top which is why Ooh. i think it's really interesting that the film actually opens on you know the whole spontaneous combustion news report and overlaying that we have the sounds of kim and hank fucking <laughs> you know and that yep. and that's our opening scene our opening scene is sex outside of the spontaneous combustion so yeah. so there there is definitely like this theme of the kind of tug of war between sexuality and and power and gaining that power in the bedroom or whatever and and, and it's something that Kim is seeking and it's kind of driving her crazy yes. you know and so that that to me what that is That, to me, is what that's all about. But one last thing I want to mention before we wrap up here, because we do have to start wrapping up, unfortunately, because we're kind of running long, is I just want to ask, like, so so Clint Howard's character's name in this is Ricky. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Intentional, non-intentional. Why is his name Ricky? What do you think?
2: (laughs) His name is Ricky because this is what would have happened to Ricky if he never got caught. He just would have devolved into this weird homeless man that has sex for cults.
1: Indeed, uh, yeah, so who the- <laughs> eats
2: maggoty burgers? No, my Ricky so, would never debase himself like that.
1: So, so Ricky, Ricky to me is one of the other one of the other fascinating parts of this movie is that because it makes no sense, you know. Yeah. I, when you when you consider all of the themes and what this cult is about and everything that they do, the the one thing that doesn't fit into their viewpoint is Ricky. I don't get Ricky. I don't get why this cult's like, hey let this fucking dude fuck you with a dick nose and <laughs> and put this buck. Like, I guess when you look at what they're doing, some of it makes sense. But, but ultimately, oh. it's just kind of like Ricky's very out of place, it seems. Mm-hmm. And it's also interesting, too, that they're placing all of this responsibility on a man when I feel like this cult would much rather, you know, trust the women in their ranks to, to get things done. Ultimately, though, I just want to say that, you know, my fan theory... I think that this is supposed to be Ricky the <gasps> Santa Claus killer.
2: <laughs> Rude. My Ricky would never.
1: I think I think it's supposed to be Ricky the Santa Claus killer, and he's had, like, his skull sewn back on or whatever, and now he's just a fucking crazy homeless man. Oh, that would actually
2: make <laughs> sense. Like, they compressed his fishbowl back into his head.
1: Yeah, and plus, you know, Ricky was never really considered in parts two and three to be, like, a completely vicious maniacal killer so it Mm -hmm. makes sense that he might be kind of a dumb shit you know sort of kill uh, when he has to kind (laughs) of kind of character like ricky because ricky never this ricky played by clinton howard never really goes into a situation intending to kill he just kind Mm. of does it you know
2: (laughs) that's that's very true and i realized i just had an epiphany about why they have ricky because male cults always have, like, some, like, servant girl who, like, does their shit and they have, like, sex with her oh, and everything oh, like I mean, that. I mean,
1: he's definitely their subordinate to, like, boss around and feel powerful, so.
2: Yeah, he's their servant wench. Yes. Yes. yes.
1: Clint Howard is a servant wench in initiation. Wench. <laughs> uh But all right, we—I uh, mean, there's so much more I'd love to talk about with this movie. But unfortunately, we gotta start wrapping up. So, who is your killer idiot of Silent Night, Deadly Night Four?
2: That's fucking Hank for not taking Kim to the goddamn hospital when she tried to down a bottle of pills. Irresponsible boyfriend, and also he might not have gotten killed by the servant wench if he had done that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I said the same thing, but again, I want to be very clear. You know, if a Yeti touched my dick, I'd probably just let it finish. So. If I take a
2: <laughs> bottle of pills, I don't give a fuck if I climbed we- on top of your dick. Take me to the hospital. Well,
1: I already told you, don't take a bottle of pills. And if you do, don't climb on my dick <laughs> afterwards.
2: <laughs> All right, apparently I'm going to die.
1: I'm kidding. Of course I would call the hospital. Um,
2: You're going to call the hospital? <laughs> drive me to the hospital, bitch. I
1: would drive... Whatever you know, the ambulance would probably actually be faster coming here to get you. I mean, maybe not. But more COVID.
2: expensive. We can afford that.
1: Oh, fuck. fuck. <laughs> don't take the fucking <laughs> bottle of pills. Uh, is my is my <laughs> suggestion. But yeah, no. I mean, exact same thing for me. I mean, look, dude, Hank. Uh, I get it. Like I said, Yeti, Dick, whatever. But <laughs> but yeah, no. Hank just being like, yeah, all right. I don't know. I guess this is fine. After she fucking dumps a bottle of pills. No, no. Dude, uh, any dude out there like. I get it. I get the sensation. I get I get it, you know, I, I get the urge, but uh you wanna call you wanna call someone in that situation.
2: <laughs> if she dies, she won't touch your dick anymore. It's it's yeah, saving but then you her can fuck life her for corpse, so <laughs> I hope Storm eats my corpse before you can fuck it.
1: Oh, our dog is definitely going to fuck your corpse.
2: Oh, God damn it. I'm going to go like, die in the woods. That's going
1: to be the first thing our dog does to you.
2: I'm going to go die in the woods. We <laughs> like can never find my corpse. Or, or he'll
1: pee on you to mark his territory. I don't know. Ugh. Um, But all right. What about your killer death of initiation?
2: Uh, that's Ricky getting stabbed and then eaten by the bugs because that was pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, Ricky getting eaten by bugs is pretty great. Yeah. Uh, I put I put the... <laughs> I already forgot his name. I put the uh, the anti-Semitic dad of Hank
2: oh, uh, because he doesn't need a name because he's a piece of shit.
1: He is a piece of shit. Um, but I just put him because I just I just love him getting strangled to death by Christmas, the thing that he <laughs> loves most, <laughs> the Bible in <and> Christmas. <laughs> uh, and yeah, no, I I love seeing just Christians get fucked over by their own religions.
2: <laughs> it's pretty nice.
1: Yeah. Christmas, this bitch is how I feel about it. Uh, all right, what about your killer MVP of initiation?
2: Uh, that would obviously be screaming Mad George because those bugs were awesome. They grossed me out, but they were the only good thing about this movie.
1: I would say the only good thing. <laughs> They're the only
2: good thing about this movie.
1: I would say the only good thing, but but yes, I, I also uh you know I also chose that as my MVP because the effects look. Let's be honest. It's the fourth film in a not very successful <laughs> franchise. Uh, the effects by Screen Mad George are way better than Initiation deserves. Yeah. Even if it is directed by Brian Nesna, you know. Uh, it's it's way better quality than you would expect at this point in the franchise. And, yeah, the effects are great. The, look, the bugs and, and all the body horror are very effective. Yes. Yes. Like, you know, it's I hate why them. it's why you hate the movie, because yes. it's
2: I hate body horror. <laughs> like
1: there and they're, bugs like they're just things in this movie that are hard to watch. Like the bugs are pretty goddamn gross, you know, yep. uh, and the body horror is pretty uncomfortable. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, Kim fucking her 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 cooch fucking vomits like cottage cheese. It's fucking nasty. <laughs> Um,
2: I selectively blocked that out of my memory
1: <laughs> as you should it's uh, horrified so no so no. I, I think he gets the credit I, I do really want to point out though because I, I didn't mention this before is that aside from sweaty and gross is you know something I like about Yuzna Yuzna does have a vision for his movies because mm-hmm. you also look at just the uh, just the coloration of the film you know it's very kind of like grimy and kind of like brownish red you know like he mm-hmm. like he he, he Yezner really gets into, like, this gross-you-out horror, and that's kind yep. of a prevalent theme with the look of his movies is they're always very, like, you know, kind of nasty a little his bit. His color
2: palette <laughs> looks sweaty.
1: Yeah, exactly. His, yeah. Col- his color palette is like vomit yes. in the best way possible, you know? Yep.
2: <laughs> Even the light scenes, like, when the girls are at the picnic still feel, like, kind of gross. Like, they shouldn't be sitting in that park. Like, some hobo just died in that park.
1: Well, I mean, look, we know uh, that's the story of any park that you go to in the city. Some hobo is definitely either dead or jerking off or puking in that park.
2: <laughs> or all three.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, ne- maybe not dead, Chris. I don't, know. I don't know how you can jerk off after your your heart is stopped. but
2: <laughs> You still have some movements left over?
1: No, that would just be impressive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right, but that's going to do it for us on Silent Night, Deadly Night 4 initiation. So, I don't know. Hopefully, we got to something
2: good (laughs) in that. Hopefully. I think
1: so. So, next week is going to be uh, wrapping up our Silent Night, Deadly Night franchise discussion with Silent Night, Deadly Night 5, The Toymaker, uh, which, for those of you who haven't seen it, features Mickey Rooney, of all people. Um, which I still find hilarious because Mickey Rooney actually bashed the original Silent Night, Daily Night. Why do these later be-
2: movies have big people?
1: I really couldn't tell you. I have no idea how they drew the attention that they did. But, <laughs> but anyway, so that's what we're going to be talking about then. That is also streaming on Shudder and I believe Tubi. So go do your homework. Check it out there. It's Christmas soon. Perfect time to watch all these movies. Uh, but that's going to do it for us on Initiation. So I'm uh, Matt. And I'm Chris. And have a great night, horror fans. Don't bug your family on Christmas.
2: <laughs> Bye.
0: I hope you've enjoyed tonight's episode of Killer Horror Critic. If you'd like to scream with us some more, please subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Killer From Space, as well as Instagram at Killer underscore Horror underscore Critic. New episodes release every Friday, so keep your eyeballs peeled just the way I like them. Have a good night, horror fans.